to another edition of Divine Warrior Ninjutsu Podcast, episode number four. We're going to talk about a few things this time, not the least of which was something that we mentioned in the last podcast. If you'll recall, we were talking about rank and the colors of stars, and there was a section where we talked about 11th to 15th Dan, whether the stars were supposed to be silver or gold, and I have confirmed with somebody in Japan the stars are indeed gold, not silver. So, that's cleared up. End of story for that. If you haven't already done so, stop by our website at bujin6.wix.com slash nijitsu. That's B-U-J-I-N 6 dot wix, as in W-I-X, dot com slash ninjutsu. And if you are familiar with bit.ly links, we have one that's a little bit shorter to remember, so it's bit.ly, as an L-Y, slash Moncton Ninja, M-O-N-C-T-O-N, that is the city where we are located. Let's talk really quick about the Kion Hapo. What does the Kion Hapo mean? It is the eight basics, the eight fundamentals, the eight directions. Eight is a real number, but it could also be looked at as an infinite number. Eight sideways is infinity, of course, and that may or may not apply necessarily in Japanese, but we do know that in eight directions, if you draw it on a floor, what they're really talking about is any direction, right? So in a way that is infinity. So when we think of the Kyonhapo, what do we think of? There's generally eight, and it's pretty standardized depending on who you're asking about it, but Is it really so cut and dry? Is it really that black and white? If we look on the different schools, in the densho for the different schools, we see, we can see slightly different variations of these. And I thought maybe we could go over it very quickly and perhaps discuss it. For instance, we have omote, right, the first one. Now, if you look in gyokoryu, it does say omote gyaku. But if you look in tokokoryu, we have omote kotikata. But we also have Amote Gyaku Kensubaki Kata. And we have Amote Kote Sakatori. And Torite Kihon Gata Goho, Amote Kote Gyakudori. And Torite Kihon Gata, Amote Gyakudori. Torite Kihon Gata Goho, Amote Gyakutsuki. For instance. So there's, that's like, what? Huh? <laughs> We're talking from a punch, from a grab, one grab, two hand grab, from all kinds of different things. Right? In motion, you could do a sitting, standing. Really, when you do the Kyonhapo, you should be practicing as many different variations as possible, right? But let's not get in necessarily to schools, per se. I just wanted to talk about what are the Kyonhapo. So we have a Motigyaku. Let's keep it basic, all right? We won't go into the different school variations. We have Uragyaku. We have Hongyaku. We have Mushadori. We have Gansaganagi. And probably most people would agree that we also have Ichimanji no Kata, Jumanji no Kata, and Hicho no Kata. But, when I teach the Kyonhapo, because you can have variations in these, I do point out the possibility of other variations, such as, I will show Musodori. And I explained that they, it, this is a key technique as well. It should be, if not among your kyonhapo, very close to it. 
And we can also go over Onikudaki. And I also include Ogyaku. And even sometimes I will consider Takiori, Takiori as part of Kyon. Not, now maybe, it can be touchy and perhaps some people that are very political and very whatever may want to argue about what makes up the Kyon Hapo, but I thought maybe as, at least, let's put it this way then. If you're one of my own guys and you want to know what to practice, I would say, well, there's a lot of things you can practice, of course, but as far as Kyon Hapo, I would say practice your Omote, Ura, Han, Musha Dori, Musodori, Gensakenage, Onikudaki, Ichimanji no Kata, Jumanji no Kata, Hichio no Kata, Okyaku, and Takeori. I think that would make it pretty rounded, and you're doing well if you do that much. I also want to remind people, especially Canadians, especially my own guys, that to my knowledge, there used to be what we called the a, a, a tax exemption for kids in a sporting program. To my knowledge, it is going to be discontinued, and it has not yet been discontinued, but I think it is still going. Probably by the end of this year, 2017, will be your last time, I think, that you can claim it. And I want to remind you that if you don't already, any receipts or any expenses that you have for kids in any program, let alone our own, that you take those tax receipts and take advantage of them with Canada Revenue Agency. But I also want to draw attention to, on our down, down, the downloads folder, we have MyRap. You'll see a MyRap link to download. And I'm going to talk briefly about what this is. If you click it and download it, it is a grant for kids in Canada to get their sporting-related extracurricular activities paid for. And if you're not taking advantage of this, I do recommend it. You don't have to use it for us only, of course. You can use it for anything, whether it be hockey or baseball or just about anything else. It's an application form, so when you click on it, you're going to download the link. It's a PDF document. It's going to ask for information such as your uh, the applicant information. That would be your kid's name, your name as a parent. Uh, it will ask for annual household income. And I don't think it's going to affect anything. I think they just want to gauge how much you make and your ability to pay. But you, it may come down to you have to show um, if you're making a lot of money, but you have a lot of expenses, then you still can't afford it, right? And some things are really expensive. I know that putting your kids in hockey is extremely expensive. So they're going to want to know information such as what the the activity is and the dates that it starts and ends and the cost and who completed the form, that would be the parents, of course. References for people to verify that you're not lying and that you do need the assistance. And then you take it to, at least in my case, in Moncton, you take it to the YMCA, your completed form. Or you can bring it to me and I will do it for you. I don't mind doing that one bit. Now, of course, because our kids' program is free, there's no cost associated with bringing your kids to my program. However, if you wanted to get things like uniforms or training equipment 
or there are gradings for kids. Um, these obviously they do cost you a little something. The kids grading is, if I recall, thirty. Let me just check real quick here. The kids, Mike, when if you're going to grade with me, then uh, the uh, gradings junior kids is thirty dollars. That is right. So, um, gradings thirty dollars. It's every three months normally. If your kid pays attention and progresses at a, a reasonable pace, but if they like to play around and waste time in class, you're going to get a different result. On the downloads page of our website, you'll also see a release form. Now, I carry some with me almost all the time, and I don't mind printing them out and giving them to people. But um, if you want to, you can click on that and download it and print it out yourself and fill it in. Basically, it's a it's a waiver. It just means that, you know, you acknowledge that this is a martial art and by nature it is a contact sport. It will, you know, involve rigorous movements, could potentially lead to injury, and we take every precaution to try and avoid that, of course, but sometimes things happen. We have first aid kits on hand and we have first aid and CPR trained individuals there as well. We even have a defib machine if necessary, but you know those are just precautions more than anything. But so uh, as long as you're aware of that, that's basically the whole idea, and it is to protect us so that if you know someone does get hurt, you can't say we didn't warn you and we told you so. It just kind of means we're, we can't be held liable for it. And um, you knew it was going to happen. You take the responsibility yourself to withdraw if you think something is dangerous, and if you do it, you do it by choice at your own risk, knowing what those risks were ahead of time. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. The main thing I wanted to talk about was there's a little clause there that says you're not allowed to record. You can't bring a camera, you can't bring a video camera or a still camera. I don't really mind, though. I mean, it does say that, but generally, um, I don't mind. I record things myself for the YouTube channel, obviously. Um, my YouTube username, by the way, is Bujinkan3. The number three, numerical, not written out three. Um, so, you know, if you wanted to take some video, I don't mind. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to run it by me first and to ask me. There are some things that are touchy and you can, may not record it. Like, you know, if we're working with explosives or something, and it does happen because we actually do ninjutsu, not like most Bujinkan dojos where they focus so much on taijutsu that they neglect the ninjutsu components. But that's a whole other subject and we'll get into that another time. So basically if you wanted to record something, bring a camera, it's fine. Um, if you want, you know, run it by me just to make sure we're not doing something unusual that day. But for the most part, I don't mind at all. You can bring your cameras. Record away. You'll see on the website also the requirements for promotion listed there. Uh, and it'll say first rank only. So that basically means that if you walk in the door as a white belt, you can download right here everything you're going to need to know to get your first rank. Or um, basically that would be a ninth queue. So as you walk in, a white belt is a tenth queue. And then you get your green 
which is ninth Q if you're a male, or a red belt if you're a female. But they're both still, still ninth Q. So when I say first rank only, that's what I'm referring to, because we don't like to put more than what's required for your first rank for two reasons. One, you need to focus at this stage on what you need to know. It's early. You need to lay the foundations. What What's coming later doesn't matter right now. Besides the fact that you probably won't understand it anyway, because much of it is written in Japanese, and unless you understand the basics, you're not going to understand what that stuff means or how to do it anyway. And the second reason is um, we don't want you to see it. We don't want you to have it. It's as plain as simple. That might sound funny, but what we really mean is um, if you want the rest of the material, you need to earn it. So get your first rank, and then we give you everything you need to know up to your first Q level or showdown level, and then we'll go from there, right? So, and since we're talking about it, the requirements for promotion, we can go over it really quickly, if you want, especially if there's new people listening. Now, the, I'll, I'll take a moment to say that the gradings for requirement, that, I mean, the requirements for grading that we use are the ones that were handed down by the Hanbu in Japan. These are the official ones. A lot of people have taken liberty to change them, which is why sometimes when you go dojo to dojo, they have different grading requirements. But the fact of the matter is that, yes, there is a standard grading curriculum that most people, for pompous ego, perhaps, reasons, or just about any variety of reasons, change. I am not a fan of changing things that have been handed down as official. So, we go with these grading requirements. Having said that, the very first page of this thing that you're downloading is just a pronunciation key. You don't know how to, you don't need to know how to say these or anything like that. You don't have to learn Japanese. You don't have to memorize any of these words. This is just to help you to understand how the other terms that you're going to see on the next couple of pages are pronounced, because I see a lot of people make mistakes, and you're not really graded on pronunciation of the terms either. Not really. It's just a good base. It's a good foundation to know how to speak Japanese, right? So, so let's go over that real quick. All right? So in Japanese, there are five vowels similar to English, A-I-U-E-N-O, in that order. Um, so the A sound in Japanese, basically the vowels are always the same. They don't change, like in, in English. And if you combine vowels, they don't change the sound or anything like that. The A is always ah, always. No exceptions, it doesn't change, ah. So it's A as in Yokohama or karate, there's an I, it is E, it sounds like E when pronounced, always E, no exceptions, as in kimono or sushi, alright, there's a U, as in U, it always sounds like U, no exceptions, sushi, samurai, E, the E, sounds like E, and that is uh, hen or desu, the examples. Eh. Now the O sounds like O. It's always O. Otoko, tomato. We have what you could say long vowels. It doesn't change the sound. Um, 
we have what we call a romaji system, which is basically Japanese words written with English alphabet or Latin, a Latin alphabet. So uh, it makes it easier for newbies to learn to speak Japanese or to understand how a word is pronounced in Japanese by using English vowels. Now, if you come across a word and it has um, a mark over top of it is one way. So you could have any of these vowels with a line or dots over top of them. It just means that it's a double vowel. Other times you'll see a double vowel. So, for instance, the word obasan, okay, uh, it could be O-B-A-A-S-A-N, or more often you'll see O-B-A with a line over top, S-A-N. So, if it didn't have that, it would be obasan, which has one definition, and the double A is obasan, which has a different meaning. One is like father or grandfather, and one is uncle. Um... Double I as in cheese, not cheese, cheese. Double U as in puru. A double E as in seta, which coincidentally has a double A also. A double O as in koko. Vowel combinations. Each vowel is pronounced separately. They do not create a new sound like they do in English. So if you were to combine, for example, an A and an I, as in samurai, it is samurai. So, asamurai. Not a new type of sound like we often do in English. How about another example? E and I together forms a new, uh, not a new sound. It's, it forms, you'll see it in the word geisha. So, you pronounce it as geisha. Geisha. Not a new sound like we do in English. Consonants. There's a couple of um, rules here. Most consonants are pronounced as in English with the following exceptions. There's no F in English, or rather in Japanese, but there's something similar. Not, the, not like, like, like you would see in English, like if we was, most people would say Fuji or Mount Fuji, right? But technically the F in Japanese is very soft and it's very windy. Is that a good word? Windy over your teeth or your lips. So, uh, Mount Fuji, or in Japanese would be Fujisan. So the F is Fuji, Fujisan. Very loose over the bottom lip. You're just, you're not even touching your teeth, your lips. Fu, Fujisan, or Tofu, would be Tofu. The R, there is no R in Japanese. Not really. Some people would say it's kind of between the L and the R. I like to tell people that it's, if you can roll your R, like in French or in Spanish, then that is Japanese, a rolled R. Technically, that's not true. And people have said, "There's no, that's not true. And yes, you're right, it's not. There's no rolling of R's in Japanese. But if you can do it, you're so close that it's good enough to me. So the R is almost like a D, even. Like an L-R combination, L-R-D. So D, R. So beer is biru, biru. So, but if you wanted to force it, if you are new, you would say biru, 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 and biru, biru. If you can almost sense the D there, biru, biru, right before the U. And golf in Japanese is gorufu, so there's an R there. Go, G-O-R-U-F-U, goru, gorufu, obviously doesn't sound right. Gorufu, gorufu.
Double consonants are held longer than single consonants. It's the same idea as with the vowels. So if you have two T's together, instead of saying chotto, it would be chotto. It's held for an extra beat. Matte. Double K's. Yukuri. Gakko. And most people know the word konnichiwa. Oh, konnichiwa, you know. But there's actually a double N there. So it would be konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Or onna for a woman. Onna. Then we get on to the actual requirements for promotion for the rank. And on the top you'll see form, accuracy, realism, speed, and power listed there. Those are um, methods to train to help you. They're not necessary. You don't need to remember, memorize these or anything like that. Basically what we do with these is that one month we'll focus on form more than anything else so that you're moving properly and correctly in almost everything we do. And the next month we focus on accuracy and realism. And we focus on that for a whole month on almost everything we do. And that is touching your target with your striking points exactly so that it's perfectly. Or if you're using swords, the realism is in maybe we're using ballistic gel dummies and we're trying to hit the blade exactly in the right spot. So it looks real, it feels real, and that if you had to do it in real life, you know exactly where you're going to hit. Or like throwing shuriken, right? You're going to hit them directly in the chest or in the eyes, wherever it is you're aiming for, and you're going to use proper accuracy for that. Then there's speed and power. We all spend an entire month focusing on speed and power. Generally, my rule of thumb is that you can't have both. The faster you go, the less power you generate. You see these people who can do 100 punches per minute, but if you really look at it and analyze it, they're not generating any power. If someone wants to hit me 100 times in one minute in my gut, they're afraid to do so because it's not going to hurt. But if I hit you once in one minute, it's going to hurt a lot. Some people aren't going to agree with that, but that's just how I see it. And I've had a guy say, yeah, but the, that's not always true. The faster a bullet goes, the more it hurts. It's like, yeah, but that's kinetic energy. It's not the same thing. We're talking about a human who relies on, and the reason I think it's true is because of my background as a personal trainer. We have fast twitch muscle fibers and slow twitch muscle fibers, and you cannot activate both at the same time. Not really. The more fast twitch muscle fibers you use, the less slow twitch muscle fibers you use. So you'll generate more speed, but you'll generate less power. Or if you want to generate more power, you'll generate less speed. You can't have both as far as the human body goes. Anyway, you don't need to know that. Then you'll see it says 10th Q or Mukyu in brackets. That is just for your information. Mukyu really means no rank. It doesn't actually mean the word 10. But you do need to know, starting at the 9th Q, Kyukyu or kukyu, there's three phrases. You need to know them in Japanese and you need to know them in English. And when you're doing your testing, the three Japanese phrases get one point each and the three English translations get one point each. So these are worth six points. The phrase is shikin hara mitsu daikomyo. And it means a strong heart equals a strong mind. There is always the possibility of enlightenment in every experience. The next phrase is onegai shimasu. And it's okay if you pronounce the U, because beginners will do that generally, though sometimes the U will disappear, especially when you speak faster. It's okay. And then it means please. And you'll see in brackets it says have a good training session or train us, because it really depends on the context. If you're doing it at the beginning of a class, then it's from the student's point of view, and it means please train us. But if the 
teacher saying it from his point of view, then it means please have a good training session. You don't have to say what's in the brackets. You only have to say please for your point. And then the last phrase is domo That means thank you very much or thank you or any variation of that is fine too. Your next category is the godai. If you say the title godai, you get one point. Then you'll see the five forms listed there. Chinokata, suinokata, kanokata, funokata, kunokata. If you properly perform these five, then you get a point each. You don't have to say the names of all five. It doesn't hurt, but you don't have to say them. But what you do have to say after that is the, what the five forms are in Japanese and their English equivalent. That would be, as you can see, chi equals earth, sui is water, ka is fire, fu is wind, ku is void. Those are each worth a point in English and Japanese. So that whole line is 10 points. Then we're on to kion hapo. If you say kihon hapo, you get a point for the title. I don't care what it is in English. You should know that, and that's fine. Now there's eight listed here. If you say the term in Japanese, then you get a point. If you can demonstrate the technique with an opponent properly, you also get a point. Now, I say this to my students. You don't have to be an expert at these techniques. You don't even have to do it effectively yet, which means if you're doing the first one, which is uragyaku, and they're being a-holes with you and they won't let you put them down, that's okay. Uh, I don't expect you. That's their fault, and I'll talk to them later and give them a smack. But uh, at the beginning stages, you don't have to be perfect. If you say uragyaku, you get a point, and if you demonstrate what is obviously uragyaku, then I'll give you a point, whether you can get them down to the ground or not. The next one is amotigyaku, which is the outside wrist reverse. The first one was the inside, and if people get confused, I how I learned to do it was omotigaku starts with o, omote outside. They're both o, so outside and inside is referring to their center line on their body. So if you look at their center, and if you're grabbing a wrist and you twist away from the center of their body, that's is outside. If you're grabbing over their wrist to do ura, and you're twisting their wrist toward the center line of their body, that is an inside wrist twist. So everything is reference your center line. Okay, the next one is Hongyaku, which is a neutral version of Ura and Amote, and it says Hertz reverse here on your sheet. The next one is Gan Sekinage, which is a rock throw or big rock throw. The next one is Mushadori, the snake arm. The next one is Ichimanji no Kata. Actually, I'll do all the last three Ichimanji no Kata, Jumanji no Kata, and Hicho no Kata. These are um, not the kamai, because some people get confused and they'll just stand there and show me the, the uh, say, ijumanji. That's not what I'm looking for. These are the katas that we did. But it does use these stances. So, for instance, ijumanji no kata would require a partner. Actually, all of these require a partner. But in this case, you have to stand in ichimanji. Your partner will stand in ichimanji, and he will throw a punch. And of course, if you've heard me say this, there's a single or the triple. Some people only want to see the three-punch variety. I really don't care. You can do one or three. Basically, so then now your opponent is going to throw a punch. You will do a inside block from Ichimanji, and you will return the punch and hit him in the chest. 
or the triple version is he throws three punches in a row, left, right, left, you block three punches, those three punches, left, right, left, inside every time, and then after your third, you return punch to his chest. That's fine too. The Jumanji no Kata is the same thing. You stand in Jumanji. The other guy, your opponent, doesn't matter. He'll throw a punch, and there's a, two main ways of doing this. The one where you block with your outside hand, if you remember in class. It's hard to explain here. And the other version is you do a regular block instead of a crossover block, which would use your, your closest hands, and you do a block. And you can do this single or triple, like the last one. The single way would be um, he throws a punch, you're in Jumanji, you block his punch with the same hand, you bushi him in the ribs, and then you flick your hand fingers up into his eyes as a distraction. Then you step back into Jumanji on the opposite side. If you were to do this as a triple, it's the same thing, just three in a row. And the last one is Hicho Nakata. You're in Hicho. He does a punch, low punch, or a kick. You block, and then you return kick. That's it. Next is the Kamae no Kata you have to show. There's three basic ones for your rank. The first one is Ichimanji no Kamae. You just have to stand there. Jumanji no Kamae and Hicho no Kamae. You have to do these three and probably on both sides so I can take a good look at it. And now is a good time to point out, of course, that as you're doing these testings, once you first start them, I don't say a word. You have to get from beginning to end with no intervention from me except in very unusual cases I'll say something but most of the time you need to have all this stuff memorized the exact order doesn't necessarily matter and if you make a mistake as long as you come back to it at any point in testing to correct your mistake before it's over that is fine so the next we come to the set the headings for strikes which is Fudoken so if you say Fudoken you get a point oh uh, backing up of course if you say Kamai no Kata you get a point and then if you say Ichimanji no Kamai you get a point if you demonstrate it you get a point if you say Jumanji no Kamai, you get a point. If you demonstrate it correctly, you get a point. And the same thing with Hicho no Kamai. So we get to Furoken. So if you say the heading in Japanese, you get a point. Then there are 13. Let me just double check. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I can't be right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yep, there are 13 strikes for your first rank. So if you name the strike and show the strike, you don't need a partner, just hold your hand out there or point, uh, then you get a point for each, the name and the proper strike. So you need to know Furo, Shuto, Bushi, Shaken, Shuko, Iponken, Tetsui, Sanchin, Kakato, Kikaku, Empi, Ihen, and Hiza. Then we get to your one minute of rolls. I get a lot of questions about this, so I'll just take a quick second to explain. So basically, I have the timer. You don't need to keep track of the one minute. As soon as you touch the ground for your first one, I start timing you. You have one minute, and then after a minute, I tell you to stop. So you don't need to worry about watching the clock. The basic rules are you have to stay in your zone, uh, or if you're doing them on the mat, that the edge of the mat is your zone. You can't roll off. You have to stay inside of it. Next is you cannot repeat rolls too often or at all would be better. So if you're doing um, a front roll, don't do four front rolls in a row. 
because I'm not interested in seeing how well you can repeat yourself. I want to see how well you do roles, different roles. So uh, there is tricks, though. I mean, you can do a left-handed roll or over your left shoulder, maybe, and a front roll over your right shoulder. That's two rolls. Now, if you wanted to do a left and a right with one hand, you could do both left and right shoulder rolls with only your left hand and hold your right hand back. That's two rolls, two more. And then if you wanted to do right shoulder roll, holding only your right hand out, so that's a left shoulder and a right shoulder with your right hand each, then that's two more rolls. Then you can do two more rolls with no hands. So you can see how the, it easily becomes um, easy because you're going to freeze. A lot of people will freeze or they have a hard time thinking. So as long as you can come up with techniques, or not techniques, but rolls quickly, it shouldn't be a problem. So it's easy to see how you can start to maximize the amount of rolls you really know. And then we have the same thing for uh, leaps. You could do a forward leaping rolls. Same idea with hand, different one hand, two hands, left, right, that kind of thing. Then you're increasing the number of rolls again. Back rolls, side rolls, any kind of jumping rolls. Uh, break falls count as rolls. Acrobatic type moves count as rolls. So now we're talking cartwheels, round offs, front flips, back flips, front handsprings, back handsprings, round round offs. Did I say that already? Um, you know, things like that. So it's real easy to try and fill up a minute. Just take your time and focus. Most people get panicky when they're taking their first test. Just relax. Don't worry about it. You'll get it. I have faith in you. We then have five techniques using ukemi. So that means you have to show five techniques that are relatively different from each other that have a Roland. The test sheet that you have that you download here has nine examples, and it's important that you remember that they are only examples. If you don't follow these, that's fine. You don't have to follow them exactly. You can mix and match. You can come up with ones that you've seen in class. You can make them up. It doesn't matter as long as there's a role in it. You have to show me that you can incorporate or transition two roles within a technique. So the nine here, I won't even I won't mention what they are because it's pointless. But uh, again, if you need a tip, the tip to this is if you can't think or if you can't remember what they are, because like, a lot of people like to memorize these ones exactly in order because it helps them to focus and to do it without thinking. But if you cannot, the rule of thumb here is think of your kian hapo. Go back to your kian hapo. Omoti gyaku, uregyaku, han gyaku, gensakanage, mushotori, ogyaku, onikudaki, all these things, and then add a roll. That's it. It's that simple. So, you know, like if you're doing omoti gyaku, a guy grabs you with his right hand, you take your left hand, grab his hand to start the omote, and as you're doing it, do omote on him just like you normally would, and then because of the way you're moving with his hand, and you're going in a certain direction, and you're kind of focusing on the floor, it's real easy to just throw a roll in there at the same time. You can let go of his hand and roll. You can hang on and do a roll. It would hurt him all the more. So it's easy. Any technique, throw a roll in at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, doesn't matter. Just throw in a roll, and you're good to go. Then you must show tsuki. And by that I mean three simultaneous punches. So you're going to stand back in like a... Ichimanji, and then you're going to punch with your right hand, 
then your left hand, and then your right hand again. But the idea is fluidity. I don't want to see that you can punch three times. Anybody can do that. What I'm looking for is that you can glide easily and smoothly from one punch to the next without any Kodak moments in there. That is, you're not freezing long enough to take a picture. So you're just very smooth, continuous punches. No partners needed. You just do it in the air, maybe sideways, maybe toward me, maybe away from me. Um, I might tell you if I want to see it from a different angle. The next thing you need to do is show kitty, which are kicks. And for these, of course, as you can see on your sheet, you need to do a forward stomp kick, both side stomp kicks, and a rear stomp kick or maybe even both legs rear and both forward would be better. So you're doing left, right, forward stomp kick, left and right sides stomp kicks, and both rear stomp kicks as well. doesn't hurt. You don't need a partner with these. Just do them in the air. Then uh, you'll see it here a little lower, and we're almost done your grading part. You have to know John 3.16 by heart, which is... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, and then, of course, I make you questions on that. Like, why do we have to know my, a memory verse? Well, a couple of reasons. One, we're in a church when we practice, on Monday nights anyway. And the church has been nice enough to let me use their facilities at no cost. Um, so, you know, and they kind of... Well, they don't have any jurisdiction over what I'm doing here, but they kind of, they have an interest. They're looking in. They like to see what's going on. If, if anything, it fascinates them more than anything, and they like to see it. But um, it is their turf, and there are some rules that I need to, to agree to when I use their facilities. So uh, that's one reason. The second reason is I am a Christian, and um, I believe in this stuff wholeheartedly. I think it's very important. We train the body all the time, and it's temporary. Life is temporary. So to me, it just makes sense that we should train the spirit just as much or more than we train the body, because it will be with us much longer, and it is more valuable. And the third reason is that originally this stuff had Buddhist teachings to stay on track. And I am not a Buddhist, so... Um, I don't change many things, but this is one of the things I changed. I took out Buddhist everything, and I put in Christian, where applicable. If you don't like that, well, you know, there's the door. You can leave. I don't mind at all, and um, this is the way I'm doing it. So if you want to learn this stuff, you have to do it my way or the highway. And that's the that's the bottom line. I don't mean to be a bit offensive with that, but uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Next is the spiritual, spiritual, ethical, and moral course. This is to help you stay focused as well. But at this level, you're not marked a point like you are for the memory verse, one point. But um, it is recommended that you start. But it's you're easing your way in, and this is a big rank. There's a lot of information here, and the next rank is not as long. So I cut you a little bit of slack here. You don't get have to do it. Uh, I'll give you a point if you do, but it would be above and beyond, so it's like a bonus point. You could 
make up for something else. But basically, um, this is to keep people on track so far as if someone's coming in to learn and they are not of sound mind or they are a criminal or they are going to misuse this to hurt people or to take advantage of situations where they can profit from it. Um, this is to help weed those people out either by making it difficult for them to learn or to get past or for pointing those people out to me and then I notice that uh, something is awry with these people. Next, you'll see on your sheet that you need to read the book Ninjutsu History and Tradition by Masaki Hatsumi. Everybody knows who that is. I don't care where you get the book. I don't even care if you buy it. If you borrow it from a friend and read it and give it back, or if you see it at the library, coincidentally, I think the, the library here in my city, the Moncton Library, does have it, oddly enough. Um, so, you know, if you can borrow it and read it and give it back, that's fine. If you want to buy it, you can buy it just about anywhere, but you can also buy it from me, if you wish. I have a couple copies here that I can, I'll sell if somebody wants them. Um, just read it. There's no testing to prove you read it. It's kind of taken on faith. Uh, if you show it to me, that's good enough for the most part. And uh, I think sometimes it becomes obvious if someone's read it or not. Um, because the next one, which says, watch video, The Ninja Art of Grandmaster Masaki Hatsumi, Volume 1, An Introduction to the Techniques of the Togokura School by Masaki Hatsumi. You have to watch that video as well. And one person had said that they read, they watched it. They found it on YouTube or something, which is possible, I suppose. Everything's on YouTube nowadays. And then later on, I caught him in a lie because he said, that's the video. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I watched this because this is the video I watched for my first test. And it wasn't the same video. It wasn't the proper video. So either he was mistaken or he just flat out lied about it and didn't watch it. But I made a note of it, and it did because I, the grading had passed it affected his pre his next grading. But the reason you have to watch these books and videos is because that there's a lot of information there that saves me time. I don't have to go over them. And they're good introductory level stuff for you to get up to speed as a beginner and to lay that foundation. These are very broad works that need... Um, you know, when you when you dig into them, you're going to sol lay some solid foundation there that uh, will be good for you and will help you grow, to personally grow. And the very last thing you'll see on your grading sheet, which does not cost you a point, and that is gradings always require a 50% attendance rate or better, which means that if there is uh, 50 classes in a module between ranks and at this level for the adults we usually go 50 or um, five months between gradings generally that is not written in stone um, and you've come to 24 of them I won't even let you grade it's not up for debate and you don't have the choice if you, you basically that means you've been here for less than half and you can do much better than that you're not putting your heart into it you're not putting your soul into it and um, especially if you're taking the free classes on Mondays and that's all you're taking is for the free classes and you don't even put in 
half. It tells me that you're not um, up to code, so to speak. First of all, you don't have enough time in to properly learn the techniques, and it also tells me basically that you don't, you haven't put your heart into it, and that you're, if you know, maybe taking advantage of it, or um, you haven't dedicated. You're kind of like lazy. I don't want to use the word lazy, but you know, pretty much you are. Uh, so you have to have at least 50% attendance or better, or I won't even let you grade. If you're over 50, no problem. When the grading time rolls around, I will tell you that you can grade now with everyone else. And to that end, if someone feels like they're not quite ready, they're not going to miss their opportunity. Once the five months rolls by and it's time for a grading, if someone wants to wait, they are free to wait a little bit. They will be able to grade anytime you want after that. You don't have to wait five more months and you don't have to do it on the day of grading. I hope you do because... I feel I, I feel you're ready. I mean, it's set up this way for a reason, but sometimes people don't want to do it just yet. So if you want it to take another two months, then you can. And you can grade when you're ready. However, I will stress that if you wait two months and then you grade and everyone else is graded two months earlier, that five-month module to the next grading is already gone by by two months. So that means you have three months left before the next grading, and your attendance for the 50% or better started two months ago and has been counting toward your your grading that you're waiting for, which means um, now you have three months left to get 50% of five months out of, if you follow that. So you've got three months to get 50% attendance rate out of five months worth of classes. So it's not impossible, but by delaying, you are um, taking a risk and um, possibly hurting yourself in the long run. So when I say it's time to grade, you probably should. You're ready. I would tell people if they're not ready. Uh, I've had a guy come to me for, um, oh, what was it, 6Q maybe? I think it was 6Q, and he wanted to do it, and I told him flat out, he had the attendance in, no problem. He got it almost 100%, but I told him flat out, I said, you're not ready. I was like, if you take your test, you're going to fail. Um, so, and he listened, and he said, okay, no problem. So he waited, and uh, everything was good. So there, we've talked about gradings, we've talked about a few other things, and um, I hope that... If you're not grading somewhere, that you contact your teacher or look for a local school, or if you want, you can contact me and we can do something. Uh, I do offer gradings by video uh, if you're far away, and I offer feedback that way too, so I can return videos or messages to you to, to work it out. So if you can do progress videos as you go. So if it's not a testing, you can send me some videos like once a month even. You can do what you need to do for a testing once a month or as often as you want once a week every day once every 10 months if you want and i will tell you what needs to be improved and what what doesn't so it doesn't have to be like you fail the test you can do it anytime you want as a mock or a prep test and then we can help you out either by sending someone to you or you can come here or i'll send you comments or a video of my own to help you 
a lot of times, too, because we have a YouTube channel, so a lot of times if people have difficulties on something, I will go back to that area on YouTube, and we will extrapolate. We will go into much more detail addressing the problems that someone had and make sure that no one else does it. Because if one person has a problem, there's a good chance that other people are having the same problem. So we just want to address that and fix that. Anyway, that is it for this episode, episode number four. And I thank you very much for listening. As, as always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me or check out our website or the YouTube page and do it that way. Or our Facebook group, which is open to the public, so you... Uh, you can see things without becoming a member, but it is always good if you do. To that end, I hope you have a good time training with your partners, with your friends, yourself. And until next time, Domo Arigato Gozaimasu.